you know, like, you know, if somebody wants to come over, I'm, I'm, my house is available 24-7. Mm. So it's, it's just the way I grew up. You know, my father was a pastor, so there was, you know, we lived in a row home, you know, like a three-bedroom row home, which was like 1,500 mm. square feet. And oh, we wow. had people living with us all year long. How does growing up as a pastor's kid impact your faith and your life as an adult? This morning, hear from one of our own as they share about this experience and more on Fully Known. Hello? Yes. Is this Andrew? Yeah? Yes, it is. Welcome to Fully Known, Grace Point's official podcast to get to know people from church. Now, before we begin, as a fellow dog owner, how's Marley doing, that cute little puppy? <laughs> Marley is doing awesome. I mean, uh, that's the one great thing that came out of COVID. If we didn't have COVID, we would have never had Marley. Uh well, speaking of COVID, how have you and Gian and your family handled everything? Well, work was um, it was tough because you know it's, it's such a huge drop in uh, business, right? Because um, in insurance, uh, you know, our producers go out to meet with clients and you know to try to obtain and sell our products to uh, you know basically selling our services to a, to a client. Yeah. If you can't do face-to-face, I mean, there is in sales, there's so much that's lost if it's not face-to-face. And I'm, me personally, I'm not really a producer where I, I go meet the uh, clients face-to-face to sell them, but I do service it. And the producers, I mean, there is, has been a big um, a downturn. And there's yeah. so many of our clients that are going out of business also. They're hurting financially because of this. So, I mean, yeah. it has a lot of... Um, negative impacts on most industries, right? Yeah. And I mean it was I think the best part was having the girls at home. Yeah. Or I mean, even when they were in high school we stopped seeing them. You know, when the kids get old enough to go out with friends. So we kinda lost them in middle school. <laughs> yeah. Right? So yeah. when they when they become teenagers, they want to hang out with their friends and not with us. And, you know, so, and then they go in high school, you know, so they're so busy with work and activities, and they go to college. And it was a great thing because, I mean, they were adults now, and they came back into the house, and for three months, you know, we spent every day together, Uh, all day, every day. And then I think that was a blessing because we got to know them as adults. Yeah, yeah, that's really sweet. Right? And uh, yeah. I think we got closer to them. We are closer to them than we were before because now, you know, they understand what we did for them and to them. And, um, you know, they're adults, so when they express their opinions and their desires, um, we understand it more because it's, it's in a, you know, it's in such a higher level now. There's nothing like it, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah, I loved yeah. every phase of their um, of their lives, but uh, you know, to, just to get to close to them, just to get to know them as adults, it was just it was just awesome. It was inspiring. Yeah, that's really cool. Would you say you're more of like an introverted person or an extroverted person? Like, has this season affected you, or do you did, did you almost like it being away from people as an introverted person? Well, it depends. I mean, um, I am and I like getting together with people. So I am a very social person where, you know, like, you know, if somebody wants to come over, my house is available 24-7. It's just just the way I grew up. You know, my father was a pastor. So there was, you know, we lived in a row home, you know, like a three-bedroom row home, which was like 1,500 square feet. And we had people.
people living with us all year long. Oh wow! You know, strange. You know, one day strangers living in our basement, strangers living in our family room. You know, right? And you know, it's, so that's the way we grew up. And we always had people over our house. It just you know, that's what I what I know and got accustomed to. Like yeah. you, your your kids will you know they're used to having people over all the time. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, and even though if they might. You know, I don't know if everybody likes being your family, but uh, you know, you you grow accustomed to it, or you grow to understand it and um, appreciate it. Yeah. And um, I guess I like sports, so I've always played sports with a lot of people. Uh-huh. So that's kind of an extroverted thing. But uh, I'm I don't like I guess public speaking as much. Yeah. So when you were saying sharing about your family, so were you born in the states, and are you from this area? No, I grew. I was born in Korea. We immigrated um, when I was seven. Okay. So it was '74, like March of seven, March April of '74, when my family immigrated. Then I actually moved to uh, Dresser. Dresher. Oh wow! Okay. My aunt uh, lived in Dresser. She's the one who sponsored us. So I lived. I went to Sandy Run Elementary. Oh wow! That's where Barnabas is going. Cool. Right. So it used to be a middle school. I mean, it's a middle school now, I think, but it was an elementary school in the uh, in the seventies. Okay. Oh, then you know, I was there for a few months, maybe like six months. Then we moved to Logan. You get. We live in a two bedroom apartment with my sister, me, and my parents. So okay. my two brothers stayed in Korea with my grandparents. So I was seven. So they were five and three. Okay. And my parents, when they immigrated here, they didn't want to bring them because they would work, you know, nonstop. Yeah. So I mean, I remember, you know, seven-year-old and a nine-year-old. My sister's two years older. We would stand in chairs and cook dinner, and you know, so my parents would come home at like eleven o'clock at night. Oh wow! So, one doing that nowadays? <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> so you have one older sister and two younger brothers. Yes. Do, do they still live around this area, or are they all over the country? Oh, they were here, but I have um, my older sister is in North Northeast Philly. I have okay. my the one right underneath me is in Tennessee. Um, okay. He used to live in Jersey, then he used to live in VA. Now he's uh, because of work, he's uh, living in Tennessee. And also the the youngest brother, um, he's in uh, Virginia. Oh, okay. Right outside DC. Yeah, a little bit spread out. Yeah. Okay. But it goes for a very long time. Yeah, yeah. Are you? really close to any of them or yeah i mean because of the row home i mean the three siblings so my two brothers and i shared a, like a 10 by 10 uh bedroom so oh, we had boy. a bunk bed and a bed with no walking space so we were uh, <laughs> like on top of each other but, i mean we grew up playing sports so um like we used to come home drop our bags and we used to go out and play sports all day long so you know it was dinner time we'd come home eat dinner and go back out and play more sports yeah yeah wow and you mentioned uh your dad was in ministry and you had people over was he always in the ministry or did he start off running a business and then he went into ministry? Well, um, well, in Korea, um, gave me his testimony when I was in uh, middle school about why he devoted his life to God, mm. and uh, it was during the Korean War, and you know the stories that everybody has, and um, you know him, he was a teenager, and he's the oldest of uh, eight. Oh wow! So, and they all fled North Korea during the war, and they came down, and uh, he promised God that. If they made it through, that he would devote his life to God. So, wow. um, you know, they said the boat they were on were boarded by the uh, North Korean military, and somehow they didn't check the hole, the fishing hole they were in the boat. You know, they miraculously made it. And um, so, my, I guess my grandfather, he, um, when he came, in, they had businesses, and they bought.
bought a bunch of land in, in an orchard. Mm. So that's that's what I remember is the orchard. So you know they had a couple of mountains and um, they grew uh, you know the Asian pears and Fuji apples and Concord grapes and you know that that's what I remember. Then this, right after I was born, my father became a reverend. Okay. And um, so that's all I remember. And uh, you know when we came to the United States, he started one of the first churches in '74. There aren't there weren't very many churches in the wow. He was one of the um, that's how I met most of my Korean friends was through the church. Wow. In those days, you know, there weren't there wasn't that much social help, so basically my father and the church took care of a lot of people. Mm, it's really encouraging. Is your father still in ministry now or No, my father passed away uh well when he was um I guess when he turned sixty, uh he had uh bypass surgery, you know, a heart you know, bad heart condition and uh, so he retired from the ministry. Um he retired from the church and then he went into missionary work. Oh wow. So when he that's what he always wanted to do. So he uh, did missionary work in China mostly. Uh so he set up a seminary, he set up some orphanages and they're still running. Wow. Wow. Uh, so, you know, he, uh, some of the stories he used to tell was, you know, he got uh, was like blacklisted by the Chinese because he was, uh, I guess, preaching. Yeah, so, I mean, yeah. there's still people that come here from the um, seminary and the orphanages that he started that, wow. you know, come to the United States and they visit my mother and, you know, they talk about what type of person he was. And, you know, so it is inspiring. Wow, that is, that is crazy. Where is your mom now? My mom is uh, not too far from me. So after my, past, my father passed, about 17 years ago. Uh, she moved into Voorhees, uh, and she's in an apartment right now, one of those uh, elderly assisted living apartments. Yeah, yeah. So she's there. So uh, okay. yeah, I, I visit her. Probably I speak to her a couple times a week, visit her once a week, things like that. So. Yeah, yeah. Well, it sounds like your dad had like quite a career and all the things that he did in ministry. Uh, looking back, I guess it may be different from when you were living it. What what would you say was your biggest memory of what it feels like to be a pastor's kid? Oh, I never want to wish it on anybody. anybody. <laughs> <laughs> I hope Barnabas doesn't listen to this. <laughs> it's not the ministry itself. It's, it's the politics. Not just the politics. It's um, because they're constantly under a microscope. And I think um, I used to ask my father, you know, you know, all these people wrong you and, you know, they, they sometimes slander you and things like that. It says, how do you do it? Well, before I write the sermon, I have to forgive them. Oh, wow. Because yeah. it says, you know, for me to preach and for me to write a sermon, in my heart, I have to forgive them. But it was bad for us because we never had much. I remember growing up, you know, he, during the day, my mother and father used to work. So before, so my father learned to be a tailor in Korea before, uh, you know, after the war, my grandfather had a um, tailor shop. So okay. uh, before they bought the orchard, um, they had a tailor. When he came here, what he did was he was at the cleaners as a tailor. So he would, during the day, my mother and father used to work at tailors, dry cleaners. Mm. And then at nighttime, they would do ministry. Oh, wow. They must have been exhausted. So they used to come home. Like, normally they come home anywhere from 9 to 11 o'clock. Oh, my gosh. That's crazy. Right? Wow. Yeah, I mean, they work until like five o'clock, six o'clock. Yeah, then they come yeah. home, eat dinner, then go out and you know visit, go to um, you know Shimbang and the prayers and go to prayer meetings and Bible studies and Wednesday night service. So you know that was that was their life. Wow. Well, tell me a little bit of your family now. Like, tell me about how you met Gia and even uh, being a father of two ladies and <laughs> being a, in a house filled with women. Right? <laughs> tell me what that was like. Well, let's see. Um, 
I met Tiana Drexel. Okay. And that's where I met David, Elder Dave Lee. Cool. Uh, Elder Lee and I were roommates at Drexel. Okay. Right? So yeah. I know um, all his bad sides and his good sides. <laughs> wow, that, that's another interview we're going to have to see. <laughs> yes. Then <laughs> um, um, I met Kian I met at Drexel. We were introduced by uh, Jim's sister. And, okay. um, I mean, we were friends, and, you know, we, we, we hung around together and did a lot of things together. But we didn't date until we were both at a Drexel, actually, two years after. So we were friends for like seven years before we even started dating. Wow. But those are always like the best relationships, I feel like, you know, it's because when you date right away, you can kind of like fake it till you make it, you know, just put your best <laughs> foot forward. But like when you're friends, you know, you see everything, you know, like, yeah. and you, you get to know them on who they really are. And then, yeah. you know, to go into a relationship from there, I feel like those are the best, you know? Yeah. Because, I mean, she knew all my good sides and bad sides and, you know, she knew me pretty well and we kind of knew what she was getting into. And uh, so it was, it was good. Cool. You know? And then how ends up being a father of two ladies? I mean, everybody says, oh, you have to have a son and this and that. And I remember um, my father saying, uh, you know how he's the you know, older generation, Korea anyway. You know, my father was like the seventh son of the seven. You know, basically he's long line of uh, elder sons. And, yeah. and I'm the oldest son. And um, my father told me, he says, if God wanted you to have a son, you would have a son. I <laughs> want you right. to have two daughters, so you have two daughters. Yeah. Right? And I said, he says, I'm not worried about that. That doesn't concern me. So I said, okay. Um, but the kids grew up playing sports with me. You know, like I didn't. I mean, I was coaching softball since they were in kindergarten. <laughs> okay. Right. So she and I actually together coached softball. We coached basketball. Like she would coach one daughter, I coached the other daughters. Uh, we coached uh, soccer. We coached, you know, everything that you can imagine they wanted to do. We, we played along with them. We coached them because you know uh, when I was growing up, I played um, like little league football. I played uh, high school football. I played you know all these sports while I was growing up. You know my my Parents didn't come to a single event. Like literally, literally football. I'm in sixth grade. I used to ride my bike, uh, bike to the practice. Uh huh. That's sad. right. But the sad part was, was when, you know, living football, all the games are on Sunday. Yeah, that's right. So I missed. I, I think I played in one game. Oh man. Right. I went to every practice. <laughs> So do you feel like your girls, they picked up sports because you love sports or was there something natural in them that's in their genes and they just, they gravitated towards sports naturally? Well, um, I think it's because I like, Jen also played a lot of sports. You know, Jen was the starting point guard in their high school basketball team. Wow, that's awesome. Right? Yeah. So she played softball, she played uh, field hockey, you know, I played volleyball, I played a lot of basketball, you know. I can't run five minutes now. I think I have like I think I have a, like a one inch vertical leap now. Right? <laughs> well, that's cool that you you guys. No wonder your daughter you pump out athletic daughters and they play collegiate level and stuff like that. That's pretty amazing stuff. Yeah. So I mean, and the funny thing is, we used to tell the girls. Um, there were times where we were out every night we were, because we figured they sometimes played in three, four teams at a time. Oh my goodness. Because they played on the school team, they played on yeah. the rec team, they played on the travel team. Yeah. And that was just for one sport. So if they were oh playing gosh. two, three sports, can you imagine how many teams they were on? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right? The thing is, since my parents never came to any of the games, I made a vow that, you know, I'd go to every game. So oh, I think 
even in college, um, there wasn't a single game that our kids played that one of us won there. I see. Yeah. I, I can definitely resonate with you because similar boat where, yeah, my parents weren't there. So I definitely try my best to be there for Barnes and Hope and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. I understand completely. What do you think your biggest struggle is as a dad raising the daughters? Like, do you feel like it's hard for you to understand them maybe um, as a man and then you have two daughters or was it maybe even protecting them from boys that wanted to date them, you know? What was your biggest struggle raising them? I think the biggest struggle was, um, well, boys were a concern. And also, you know, what happens if they fall in love with a boy that that we don't get along with? What if they separate from us a little? What if... You know, there are three criteria that I have for my kids. I told them that they had to be Christian, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Uh, they also had to be smart, okay. right? And they had to have uh, some a drive, okay. right? I don't yeah. care if they're from a rich family. I don't care, you know, what nationality. Those things are secondary. But I said, you know, I need them to be Christian. It's a priority, mm. right? And I need to, <laughs> I need them to be intelligent. <laughs> Yeah, and yeah. Um, right, and and they need to be a good person. And uh, I think if they're a good Christian, they will be a there's a good chance they'll be a good. Not all Christians are good people, <laughs> right? So um, I mean, I don't really. I mean, I worry about them because it's not that they get hurt, but the world can be so mean. Yeah. Right. And you know, people will step over you, stab you in the back. Um, you know, and you can't protect them from those mm-hmm. things. Right. I mean, once they were out of the house, and you know, since middle school, it's almost impossible to protect them physically or emotionally. Yeah. Right? Because you, I feel like you're ahead of most parents at Grace Point where your kids went to college and graduated. And you guys are like empty nesters. If you have to give one advice, what would it be? I say talk to them, not be mm. involved, mm. right? Um, yeah. Because I remember, um, I think was, the, the funniest thing was um, great Laura was, the first time she moved out of that, out of her dorm room to an apartment, mm. she had, uh, you know, six roommates that were, you know, the field officers. And one day she called, called it um, crying, you know, saying, you know, thank you for all the things you've done for us. For uh, and, you know, she, it dawned on her all the things that she did. And she, I guess, she was taking it for granted. She realized uh, how yeah. hard everything is. Because this is the first time that she had to cook for herself, clean for herself. She's grocery shopping. She's working, you know, basically playing uh, sports. So she's working, you know, working out pretty much all day long and going to school. And she's exhausted. And, you know, she was, that's what, that's what your life was like. And you were taking care of us. Uh, so, you know, those things are, um, you know, you think I was, it makes me laugh, but it also makes me feel warm inside knowing that they appreciate all the things that you've done for them. Sure, sure. That's awesome to hear. Right. Uh-huh. You know, then that's the thing. You have to stay involved, even though um, you know, you're tired or they're tired. I mean, I remember growing up, we used to turn all the TVs off and have game night next week. Oh, uh, that's and, good. You know, and also we used to turn off the TVs and have book night, so we would just everybody would just grab a book and read. Wow. Right? I don't know if that would fly in my house, but that's pretty cool. Right. <laughs> so I mean, we did things, and everybody that comes over, they still talk about game night. Yeah, yeah. That's right. So we still have game night. <laughs> I mean, we were playing games when, uh, and, the, and that's, that's, that's a great thing is when we go on vacation, they yeah. want to come with us. Like, you know, <laughs> they want to spend time with us. So, you know, they say, well, when are we going on vacation together? So it's definitely uh, great. You know, they want yeah. to spend time with us, which is great. Yeah, that's a really healthy and good sign. 
Tell me a little bit yeah, more about your um, your career and your profession. I know you touched on it a little bit when we were talking about like uh, the whole COVID situation, but tell me about the road that God led you to to where you are. Um, I'm sure you didn't start in insurance your whole life, but uh, how did you end up where you ended up? Well, uh, let's see. The first half of my adult working career, I had businesses. So I had a, I owned a deli, I owned a dry cleaners, but um, I was working a lot of hours, right? Mm, so Jen yeah. has always been in insurance. So she's been in insurance construction. She co-op in insurance. Wow. So um, when I guess when the kids were in elementary school, started in elementary school, she was you know I was working like 15, 16 hour days, and she's like, I'm tired of being a single parent. <laughs> She said, "You're never home, right? Yeah. Um, the the money was better, but it's just you know you're never home. Yeah. And, uh, so I said, yes, that's true. So we decided to sell the business, and I got my insurance license, and I started my insurance career. Okay. When was this? Right? What year was this? It was 17 years ago. Okay. Right. So I know that because I started insurance right after the year my father passed. Mm. Right. 17 years ago, not too, not too long ago. So you started your second career pretty late in your life. Yes, I started pretty late in my life. And, you know, going up the ladder. And, I, you know, I've worked with the brokerages agencies that are small, you know, like yeah. the 30, 30 man, 30 employee to uh, insurance companies that had, you know, Philadelphia Insurance Company who had a, who has an office in pretty much every state mm. in most big cities. And, you know, the office I was in in, in uh, Palestine would have thousands of them. Then yeah. I'm at a brokerage now. Um, there's about 600 employees in the building that we're in. Yeah. So it's one of the larger brokerages, insurance companies, insurance agencies. So I mean, I've gone from small to big, and uh, you know, back to insurance companies to insurance agencies, and it's been a fun ride. I mean, it's something that um, everybody needs. If you have a business, you need insurance. It's not, uh, you know, required and mandatory. If you have a car, you know, you have to have insurance. If you own a home and you have a mortgage, it's required, right? And I figure I am, um, it's a service business where you're trying to help others. Yeah. Because if you don't know what you're doing or um, not servicing it correctly, they're going to leave you, and, you know, you won't have your job for very long. But it's, it's a business industry where recession proof uh -huh. where agencies might close but there's always jobs yeah well that's encouraging to hear because i feel like from what i'm hearing is that you know when you had your own business you made more money but for the family for the sake of the family and like you were talking about like spending time with them playing game night communicating with them like mm -hmm. because that that being more important you said you know i'll let go of this job that you can you know make more money but family comes first and maybe you know that's the road that the lord led you on and that's where you ended up because you put family first, but now you yeah. look back and all that you have, you probably have all that you need, right? Too at the same time, like you, you didn't need all that extra money. You still have so much uh, on top of that, right? Yes, and I I think uh, we sold the business for family for the right reasons. Yeah, right. And uh, we I guess uh, we decided that family was important, more important than money. Yeah. But I yeah. mean, Jen and I aren't struggling. We're doing okay financially. Yeah, so, yeah, you know, I, yeah. I figured God has blessed us, um, you know, in a lot of ways. Yeah, yeah. And, and I'm always thankful for what I have and, uh, you know, grateful for what I have. And, you know, it's just I'm grateful for Grace Point and, and you and all the other things that are, you know, just mean so much in my life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's really encouraging to hear. Yeah. Well, um, you know, talking about calling and vocation and how, I guess, God led you to where you are for work, uh, let's take a step back. 
share a little bit about your faith and spiritually. Like, was it something that, because you were always around uh, Christianity and Jesus and the gospel because your father was a pastor? Or was there a special, like, aha moment for you where you never really believed, even though you were around it, until there was, like, a special moment? Like, how did you come to faith? How did you come to accept Jesus? Well, uh, let's see. It was it was, it was a more of an aha moment. So, um, I mean, I was always around Christianity. I always went to Bible study and things like that. And uh, mm. what happened was when I was in middle school, uh, my mom was diagnosed with breast cancer. Oh no! They gave her four months to live. Oh no! So she has stage four breast cancer. And oh breast, wow! And uh, they gave her, you know, they said it was terminal. Mm. So we were all praying and. Uh, um, it happened that uh, one day the doctor said the cancer is gone. What? Right? That's crazy. So, he was, you know, everybody said it was a miracle, and, uh, you know, we were praying. Uh, so, it, you know, that was the aha moment where it's like, you know, like, oh, God, you know, uh, please do this for us. And, you know, that, that was, I guess that was my moment. I and, uh, right? Because then, you know, things like that is, um, you know, my father used to tell stories about, you know, praying and what miracles that God um God has performed in his life. Like, yeah. But the thing is, if you don't experience it firsthand, yeah. right, it's different. The, the sad part is, is God shows miracles, or there are miracles all around, and you still don't have that aha moment. So that, that's just, you know, divine intervention. Right? And then, uh, you know, I've, and I've done a lot of things in the church, and, you know, take the back, you know, I ran the education department for my father's church for a while. I also was a teaching at um, one of the churches that I so there's a, I've done a lot of work, a lot of good, and I've also uh, coasted at a bunch of churches too. <laughs> but mm-hmm. There was a time where I just, okay, I'm going to sit back and I'm just going to resonate now. And then if you fast forward today from that moment where you accepted Christ and um, fast forward today to where you are at Grace Point, how and why did you end up at Grace Point? Well, um, I guess Jason Hahn is, is my first cousin. Okay. Right? And also um, David Elder Lee was my roommate at Drexel. Oh, okay. So, yeah, that's right. That's right. Right? So uh, that um, – and we were looking for uh, – there aren't too many second-generation um, English services. Uh-huh. Because, um, you know, I grew up in the – even though when I was young, young, there were, I didn't have – there were no Korean in the 70s. So the, okay. most of my childhood friends are uh, non-Korean. Uh-huh. You know, in high school, I started hanging out with the Koreans more. Um, and um, it just, I wanted my kids, and uh, just, I feel more comfortable around Korea, mm, I right? Because it's high school, college, um, because I was a typical banana also. And probably you were too. <laughs> Why do I have to be a, you know, because I think um, from from third grade on, since I immigrated, you know, I was getting the fights like every week because people used to uh, call you names, throwing things at you. So I grew up in a, um, I grew up in Omi, uh, which okay. is, uh, it isn't the greatest neighborhood, but it wasn't, you know, it's a blue collar, lower middle class, like, uh, but, you know, I, I worked in North Philly and West Philly, which is predominantly African American. So, you know, I was always, always, it, Either uh, get beat up or fight, or you know you have to protect yourself most of the time. Mm, yeah. Right. I think the first time I got jumped was in third grade. Oh my goodness. Right. The first time I had a knife in my neck was in fifth grade. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's crazy. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, wow. So so you know I I guess the Asians and Koreans the 
church and and I just wanted the um I guess Korean influence for my kids also. Yeah. Right? Just so they can be comfortable in their own skin. Mm. Right? Because I you know, I think the more you're comfortable with who you are, you're you're a Korean American Christian. And I want you to be comfortable being a Korean American Christian. Right. And be proud of being a Korean American Christian where you're not the only Korean American yeah. So that's why yeah. I wanted my kids to um, see that, and you know, like um, I guess the next generation, I want my kids to experience that also. That that was a big, I guess, uh, point of coming to Grayson. And I, you know, I I loved everybody there. I still love yeah. everybody at Grayson. I think it's a great yeah, church. Yeah. It's a great environment. Um, you know, I think the leadership is awesome. Right? <laughs> I think the I think the congregation is, is great. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Well, we got to hear a lot about your past, um, you know, just trying to get to know you a little bit more and uh, some of your thoughts and your dreams. Let me ask you, what, what would be some of your hopes for the future? For example, in the next five years or 10 years or 20 years from now, what do you hope to accomplish for yourself or your family <laughs> or even for Grace Point? Like, what are your dreams for our church? You know, maybe your role with our church, like, well, family, you know, I, I hope in, um, you know, 10 to 15 years I've been retired uh, mm-hmm. and a grandfather. <laughs> yeah. Right? I can't wait yeah. to school my grandchildren. Uh, okay? Yeah. Um, I look forward to seeing um, my kids grow uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh, and their future and their, you know, what they have to accomplish. Yeah. I look forward to it. I also look forward to what Grace Point has to accomplish and to grow and to mature and to see what it can become also. Just like, you know, it's, I think um, Grace Point is a great church now, but I think it can be a greater church. And I think it mm. can grow to be, you know, like a, you know, instrument, a tool, and, you know, powerful tool in God's kingdom. Oh, and, you know, that's what, and that's what's encouraging because it's, it's not the physical location, not the building, but it's the people that make it up. It's the yeah. leadership. You, it's Chris, it's, you know, it's, you know, the elders and deacons that make up the body of the church. Mm-hmm. And, Amen. You know, it's encouraging. Yeah. And, and I look forward to the future. That, uh, yeah. I mean, it, it's changed a lot since I've been, I've been at Grace Point, and I see, you know, all the potential that it has. Mm-hmm. And this COVID has put a damper where, you know, you're taking three steps back, right? But I think, uh, you know, I think, but also adversity makes you stronger. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Grace Point as a body can learn through adversity, and that's what um, you know, and that's what makes you stronger, wiser, and better is the adversity. Yeah, that's good. That's good to hear. Well, I don't want to take too much of your time, so let me end with one final question, and it's something that I try to ask all the uh, interviewees, and it's kind of a twofold question. Okay. Well, uh, the first part is, what's an interesting fact that maybe I didn't get to ask you or probe you on that uh, that other people might not know about you that you can share? And the second part of the question is, not only what can you tell the listeners, but what can you ask of the listeners if they if we said what can we pray for you Andy you know and you have all these listeners behind you and supporting you and praying for you you know what can we pray for you as well okay fact prayer request I think the prayer request is um, that I not be complacent um, right because you know I think like other normal people I get sometimes as often I can be lazy. <laughs> Right, all of us, yeah. and be comfortable in where I am. Not just um, 
financially, but spiritually, emotionally, and everything else. If people um, lose focus and take, take everything for granted. Uh, I don't. I pray that I don't take the people, church, friends, family for granted. And I'm always yeah. thankful for what I have. Mm-hmm. Thankful to God and you know, be wiser. Yeah. Right. I you know I pray for wisdom. I pray for courage, and I pray for um, not being complacent. Mm. Right. That's good. Uh, let me see. Interesting fact. If I, my life isn't that interesting. Uh, <laughs> Uh, let's see. Interesting fact: I um, I was the long snapper of my high school football team. Oh, okay, that's impressive. That's really right. hard to do, actually. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> so that's an interesting. You know, uh, you know, and when I was playing high school football, I was 110 pounds less. <laughs> oh my goodness! So I wasn't a. I, you know, I realized that I didn't have a future in it because I was sitting diet at 300 pounds, and yeah. I was like, well, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna grow, and I'm not gonna get any taller and I'm not going to get too much bigger so (laughs) I thought that was kind of funny Um, right well thank you so much my pleasure thank you for having me